Welcome to another episode of Scary Mysteries. I'm Andrew Fitzgerald, and today we have a terrifying topic. One where the people involved thought they were getting together for an awesomely fun evening, but instead it turned out to be violent and tragic. If you ever want to watch these episodes, then go check out our YouTube channel called Scary Mysteries. And for even more terrifying podcasts from us, you need to check out Every Town. Over there, we go deep into some crazy stories from around the U.S. and go into the nooks and crannies because, no matter how safe a town may seem, every town has a dark side. Now, whether you're young or just young at heart, everyone can agree that parties are great occasions that bring families, friends, and loved ones together under one roof. And unless you're an extreme introvert, it's safe to say that they're a fun time. But not all parties are created equal, and depending on the situation, some revelries can quickly turn ugly for a variety of reasons. Here are five brutal crimes that happened at slumber parties. Number five, kidnapping of Polly Class. Children's optimism and enthusiasm are things that many of us find to be very inspiring. Sadly, though, just like us, they can also be victims of life's harsh realities. Holly Clash had never been this excited for the autumn of 1993 to come. The 12-year-old had apparently told her mother Eve about her plans to host a slumber party at their house in Petaluma, California, and Eve said yes. And so, on October 1st, Polly invited two of her close friends, Kate and Jillian, to come over to her place. The girls, who were practically all the same age, had a fantastic night. And meanwhile, Mrs. Class was asleep in a room next to where the party was happening. Everything was going well until close to midnight, when a strange bearded man entered Polly's room. The girls were shocked and got even more scared when he told them that he would kill them with his knife if they didn't cooperate. The intruder explained that he was only there to rob the place. However, things went awry when he proceeded to tie down the two girls and dragged Polly out of her own house. Kate and Jillian were eventually able to free themselves after their host was kidnapped, and they rushed to Eve's room to wake her up. Mother quickly called 911 and responders arrived not long after. And the witnesses described the kidnapper's appearance. They said he had a dark beard, dark gray hair, and wore dark clothes. A massive search then ensued, and volunteers from all over town started looking for Polly. And the FBI even employed helicopters and dogs for the operation. Amidst the countless leads the Bureau received, one stood out among the rest. It came from a woman who said that she encountered a weird-looking man whose car got stuck on her private property. That homeowner called the police, who in turn helped the man out. Interestingly, one of the officers decided to get the stranger's name and ran it through their database, and they found out that he was Richard Davis. The 39-year-old had an extensive criminal record, including kidnapping, sexual assault, and other crimes, his current appearance also happened to closely resemble the kidnapper's composite sketch. Davis initially denied kidnapping Polly, but when Polly's friends came over at the station, 
they immediately recognized him as the man who ruined their slumber party. The suspect then confessed that he killed the girl by strangling her to death, after which he buried her in a shell grave somewhere in Cloverdale. Polly's tragedy brought forth the three strikes law, in which a life sentence is guaranteed for the third violation of violent felonies. Though Davis got what he deserved, nothing can undo the horror that the girls experienced during that sleepover. Number four, Shamia Adams. Being impulsive and hot-headed, teenagers often find themselves quarreling against others who are the same age. Making matters worse is the fact that these young individuals often get embroiled in gang-related violence, and yet the situation just gets even more chaotic when the adults decide to join in. It was earlier in the day, in July of 2014, when a fight broke out between a group of 14-year-old kids in Chicago's infamous gang-infested West Side. The altercation eventually died out and everyone went about their way. However, some of them took the situation quite seriously and decided to tell their older counterparts about the little skirmish they had. Out of fury and a thirst for vengeance, 18-year-old Tevin Lee grabbed a gun and went near the site where the fight previously broke out. It just so happened that he spotted some of the rival gang members They were standing in front of a house that was situated at the 3900 block of West Gladys Avenue. At this same residence, a group of young teenage girls were having a slumber party. One of the participants was 11-year-old Shemaya Adams. They were inside a room and just having fun, oblivious as to what was going on outside. And then, all of a sudden, shots rang out. Lee had opened fire on the rival gang members. He missed so many times that bullets sprayed everywhere. Police reports indicated that one projectile went through a tiny opening in a window, which was no wider than an inch. It flew through a closet wall after that, entered the very bedroom where the girls were having a sleepover, and like a wicked twist of fate, it struck Adams right in the head. The adults in the house were quick to rush the preteen girl to a nearby hospital, but she eventually succumbed to the wound and died the next morning. An investigation was conducted and found Lee as one of the primary suspects of the accidental shooting. The young man initially denied having anything to do with the trouble and implicated an associate of his as the one who actually pulled the trigger. Regardless of what he said, Lee was charged with murder and aggravated discharge of a firearm that year. But in 2019, the news broke out that Lee, who was now 24 years old, was acquitted of the murder charges and then set free. Lee got lucky, but Adams' family and friends will continue to carry the grief and sadness over her untimely death. It was further disheartening that she perished because of an incident that, in the first place, she had nothing to do with. Number three, Peyton Lautner. The Slender Man is thought to be one of the internet's most famous urban legends. This insanely tall and very thin entity with unnaturally long arms and eerie blank face was nothing but a figment of the imagination by a horror junkie named Serge. 
Surge proliferated the legend of the Slender Man on a forum devoted to fake paranormal phenomena. The pictures of the character, along with its variations, circulated online, and this helped make the legend grow. While most are aware of its apparent fake existence, there's still a lot of people, both young and old, who strongly believe that the Slender Man is real. However, you apparently need to do something for him, so that he will welcome you into his realm. A ridiculous theory, but these three children were more than willing to give what it takes just to prove it was real. On May 31st, 2014, sixth graders Anissa Weir and Morgan Gazer invited their schoolmate Peyton Lautner to play with them at David's Park, a wooded area near Waukesha, Wisconsin. They were only supposed to play some games like hide-and-seek, but Weir and Geyser had another thing in mind. The two had learned somewhere that the Slender Man lived in a mansion hidden somewhere in the woods in northern Wisconsin. For them to find his place, they would first become his proxies, and for that to happen, they needed to sacrifice a human life. And this is exactly what they did. Unaware of their ploy, Lautner was suddenly pinned down to the ground. Geyser took that chance, and using a 5-inch kitchen blade, she stabbed the child 19 times. Weir, all along, was urging her companion to stab their friend again and again. They then told the victim to just lie down and be quiet while they looked for some help, but they left with no intention of ever returning. Lautner wasted no time and tried to crawl her way out of the woods. A cyclist happened to pass by and saw her, and they called 911 for help. The twosome, meanwhile, were apprehended while walking along the highway. Upon inspection, the knife used in the stabbing was found bloody in a bag that one of them was carrying. And officers who stopped the girls noticed that Geyser seemed to lack empathy or guilt over what they had done while Weir appeared distraught and disturbed for stabbing their friend. Lautner was immediately rushed to the hospital where doctors found her incurring major wounds on her neck, her liver, and stomach. The doctors said that one of the stab wounds was only a hair away from hitting an artery, which would have indeed killed her. The girl survived and went on to live a normal life. The perpetrators, however, were found guilty of attempted murder. Geyser got 40 years to life in a mental institution, while Weir got 25. Just recently, the latter received an order for release after only having served seven years of the sentence. Lautner's suffering serves as a reminder to all of us that sometimes the most hurtful thing we could ever experience is to be betrayed by the people closest to us. Number two. Lacey Rutherford and Steve Watkins. Anger, while it's a normal emotion, can still be very dangerous. If left unchecked, they can make us do things that we couldn't even perceive of doing ever before. Alfred Rutherford lived with his wife Robin, their daughter Lacey, and two grandsons in Hamilton, Ohio. And on June 29, 2014, One of the Lacey's sons was hosting a sleepover with his friends at the Rutherford residence. Around 2 a.m. that morning, the mother of two and her 55-year-old father got into an argument. 
Mr. Rutherford accused his daughter that she and her boyfriend Steve Watkins stole one of his guns and sold it for drugs. Watkins, who originally came from Wilmington, Ohio, was there at the time that this incident happened. And what started as a heated verbal exchange quickly escalated into something so horrifying that it changed the lives of everyone inside the house. Out of fury, Alfred pulled out his 12-gauge shotgun and without batting an eyelash, shot his daughter twice in the neck. He did so in front of his six-year-old grandson, who had happened to come out of his room to check on the ruckus. Still brimming with rage, the shooter then went hunting for Steve, whom he found hiding inside the bathroom. And, like the fate of his girlfriend, he too got shot point-blank. Alfred was able to flee away just as the police arrived on the scene. Authorities immediately conducted a search operation to capture the perpetrator. News reports indicated that they received a tip from a witness who saw the gunman hiding in the nearby Joyce Park. Cops subsequently found the suspect, whom they arrested on the spot. While in custody, Alfred admitted to shooting his daughter and her boyfriend. He was then sentenced to life without parole in January of 2015, but died two years later while in prison. Though the case may have already been settled, it couldn't be helped but for us to think how the tragedy affected the lives of those two young kids who witnessed such a nerve-wracking incident. Number 1. Michelle Harper Slumber parties that turn into carnage are the kind of stories we often just find on TV and in the movies. But this story on our list can serve as proof that reality can sometimes be scarier and more brutal than fiction. On August 22, 1993, Michelle Harper and three of her friends went over to the place of a common friend for a sleepover. The girl, whose identity has been withheld, had recently lost her mother and her father was out of town. Aside from Michelle and the three other unnamed friends, the young female host had a twin brother who was at the house at that time. Things were going well when all of a sudden at around four in the morning, the host, 19-year-old boyfriend Curtis Lee, crashed the party. Him jumping in on their all-girl gathering was the least of the concern as he was bringing along with him a knife. The intruder then ordered the girls to take off their clothes and he sexually assaulted each one of them. After he had his fill, Curtis first stabbed Michelle in the chest three times with his knife. The partygoer drowned in her own blood as she screamed for help. The party crasher went on to stab his girlfriend several times as well, and although severely wounded, she still managed to run away and thus saved her own life. Meanwhile, the girl's brother was awoken by the noise, and so he headed downstairs. On his way, he was met by the killer and was then stabbed. But the rampage didn't stop there. Curtis rushed towards the bedroom where the two other girls were staying and stabbed both of them as well. After the killing spree, the killer fled the house. One of the victims managed to call 911. Responders were sent to the scene of the crime and police headed towards the address from where they found and arrested the offender. Luckily, all the teenagers survived, except for Michelle. When asked, 
Curtis said that he only wanted to hurt his girlfriend because he heard that she planned on breaking up with him. The young man was put on trial and died in prison when he was just 40 years old. Meanwhile, the teens, who were there on that night of the stabbing, will forever bear the wounds of madness caused by a man who couldn't accept rejection. So that's it for today's episode. If you want to show us some support, please go check out our Patreon page at patreon.com scarymysteries. Over there, you can find exclusive content and a whole library of stuff from us that you can unlock. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you soon.